My guest for the day grew up instilled with independence and a passion for doing good in the world. When he contracted a parasite in his intestine, he had to change the way he ate and lived and eventually started churning nut butters. Now, he has created an incredible nut butter brand committed to feeding a child with every purchase. I'm Ben Brown, and this is the Madisonian Podcast. Matt Damore has accomplished such an astounding amount in his time on this earth so far, and throughout his journey of building the amazing B Corp natural foods brand, Yum Butter, he has stayed committed to his greatest passion in life, and that is helping others. It's always been his top priority. And while building up his brand in the natural food industry, he kept to that passion and that priority and created the Buy One Feed One program. Mr. Damore has built this brand up from the ground to where it is now in all its success being sold nationwide in Target, Costco, and all over. I want to give another thank you to the Cap Times for writing the feature. It means a lot to me to get this recognition for the work that I am doing with this podcast. And I appreciate all the new listeners that have come from the article. And I invite you to please leave us a rating and review down below. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast and all feedback you have. Now please enjoy my interview with the kind, fun-loving Matt Damore. My name is Matt Damore and I support individuals in uncovering more of themselves and making awesome decisions. So I was born in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin and I spent just uh, about eight years there before I moved to Wisconsin Dells. So it was an interesting time. Um, my family, my dad was in the tire business. So I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs and uh, we had a very small little vacation cottage in Wisconsin Dells at that time. And so we were going back and forth and then eventually moved to the Dells when I was uh, nine and my parents uh, started their the run in the resort industry. So I grew up as a child making beds, um, cutting the grass, uh, doing everything in the resort industry for um, a good about 10 years. And then in 1996, moved down to Madison to go to high school. Um, went to high school at uh, Edgewood High School and then went to um, University of Wisconsin-Madison and then, um, in essence, spent about a year traveling in Europe after I graduated from college, and then moved to, to Colorado for a few years, and then came back. and In essence, was in in Madison up until about uh, two years ago. You said your family was in the resort business, but then you moved to Madison. Why? Why? Why did you decide to to leave that 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 business and that that family? Uh, sure. Venture? So it, yeah, for sure. So. Um, to be honest with you, um, my parents, uh, their best friend had a daughter who was going down to school um, in Madison, and I was just looking for a little bit more opportunity to be to be honest with you um, that the Dells could not provide and just wanted to expand and grow my wings a little bit. So I didn't really know anybody except for one person and, and came down here and actually lived in, a, in an apartment by myself my freshman year of high school and until my parents ended up missing me and then they eventually came down. Um, but it was really just to, for my personal growth in essence, and to try to have more opportunities. You were 14 or 15 living in an apartment by yourself. What was that? What was that experience? Yeah, it was, it was great, man. I mean, I've been, um, I've been a fairly responsible guy my entire life and my parents gave me a lot of responsibility young. Um, and uh, so it gave me a lot of skill sets and allowed me to, to mature quickly. Um, I, I definitely missed my parents. I didn't have a license at the time. So I had to find a way to get to school because there was no, um, you know, public or uh, no private kind of bus for, for Edgewood. Um, but it was good. And uh, it forced me to be able to take care of myself at an early age. I was a good kid. Um, I got good grades uh, pretty much like um, I would say, like, I think I graduated with high school. It's funny that you remember your GPA, which to me doesn't mean much these days, but um right. Um, I think I was pretty much a straight A student, but I worked really, really, really hard, um, but it didn't come easy. So 
uh, that's the that's the one thing that I always was jealous of my friends who just got A's and they didn't really have to study. And I typically had to work super, 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 super hard just to to get to that place. So my work ethic was um, something that I had to rely on early to to get me through um, to get me through school. And it was really challenging. I didn't read well. Um, I didn't write well. And so like that form of learning wasn't something that, um, really resonated with me. So it was always a challenge. Um, but I just kind of kept at it. So, yeah, I know like uh, healthy eating and healthy living and holistic living is kind of, you know, this underlying theme that you've had in your life. Um, I mean, when did that kind of start? And um, I mean, you were living alone at one point in an apartment by yourself as a freshman. I mean, were you eating healthy then? Were you, I mean, I'm just curious, like when that journey started? Sure, that's a super good question. I would say that the the precipice, the beginning of that whole journey started from just me being super active. So as a child, I was into every sports possible. I played football, I played basketball, I played soccer, I played golf and tennis, like anything. I was very athletic and sports were always like super fun for me. And I was always enjoying that. I played hockey. Um, and so the, the progression forward was, you know, my mom uh, always cooked um, some fairly healthy meals. And uh, in the summer times, um, because we were always working a ton, because that was during my time in Wisconsin Dells, the season was very seasonal, right? So they worked hard and then you rested. Um, so we ate out. Of, but, um, I would say that like overall as a kid, I ate okay, knowing like, like looking back. Um, but it was when I went to high school, actually, um, that I started to like learn more about nutrition and uh, got introduced to the Willie Street Co-op and started to like grocery shop and read books and just slowly led myself down the track of, of nutrition. And then um, when I, uh, my freshman year of college, I went and did a survival course in the Escalante Canyon of Utah. It was called the Boulder Outdoor Survival School and it was a 28 day program. Was that just something that intrigued you and something that you wanted to knock off the list or kind of what was your thinking behind that? Yeah. I mean, I, I always get these crazy ideas and um, try to push myself in, in a unique way. And I had friends who had done like Knowles or they had done other outdoor wilderness trips, but I wanted to challenge myself and actually learn survival skills out in the, out in the um, wilderness. And so I found this program and it was kind of crazy. Um, and so I ended up contracting giardia, which is a, a parasite that lives in your intestines. And uh, when misdiagnosed for a while, um, doesn't really treat your body well. So anyways, it was like the biggest blessing and biggest curse because it ended up kind of trashing my whole intestines. And um, that was for me, gave me like the reason to like really, really start to dive into nutrition and understand how to heal myself. So that's, um, that was when I was 21. Um, and uh, that really catapulted my desire to understand how food can be medicine. And then from there, it was just, there was no turning back. Um, and I always used myself as a, an experiment. And so I've gone through all the different ways of eating and um, all that whole process and feel have come to a, a really unique place of, of seeing food and understanding. It. And then after being in the natural food industry for a long time, got to, um, see the production side, see the sourcing side, see the, you know, the whole picture from, from start to finish. So um, it was a, a blessing having come into that space with a, already a, a deep passion for food um, and a decent understanding of, of how it works, interacts in the body and just all the different theories and philosophies and myths. And there's just, there's a lot of stuff around food that's still a very young science. Um, but, uh, and my journey continues even today. Yeah. What kind of things were you, foods were you and diets were you experimenting with after you had contracted this parasite and, and, um, kind of what did you find that, that worked for you at, um, eventually? So, I mean, the, the first thing I had to do was to start to eat a lot of, um, high density foods that didn't require a lot of work on my digestive tract. So really foods to heal the digestive tract. So I did a lot of bone broths, um, 
So I wasn't having to eat a lot of the proteins and really stress my body, a lot of cooked food, um, as opposed to raw food. Um, and then foods that weren't going to continually feed, um, the, the virus per se. Um, so that was kind of stage one, right? Um, and then from there, so you have to strip it and not really eat a lot of high sugar foods and things that are just easy broths, um, like I said, cooked foods. Um, and then from there, I went into, I was a vegetarian, I was a vegan, I went raw, and then I was a carnivore. Like I kind of just spanned the whole gamut of, of that process and um, came away with a, a deeper understanding of how to really pay attention to your body in terms of it's, it's the best biofeedback mechanism possible. It's always telling you what you're doing, if it's working or not working right. Um, it's its job to tell you um, that. And so to develop an understanding around eating that in essence strips it of its dogma. So all the shoulds or shouldn'ts or things of that nature and said, okay, let's break it down and start with this understanding of what's real food and what's not. And um, from there, um, how, how can we eat the highest quality food? But then after the, the, the actual type um, of what you're eating, um, how can we consistently pay attention to the mental, the emotional, the physical, and the, even the spiritual aspects of the, of the feedback that your body's giving you to tell you if what you're eating is appropriate. And it changes, right? Like if you're exercising more, or um, even if you're stressed and studying, if you're in wintertime versus summertime, there's so many different factors that determine. And I always like to say like the ratio, right? So imagine if you went to a gas pump and each of the gas pump uh, handles were like proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, and you had different ratios, you're always going to be giving a little bit different of a ratio because you're always changing. Um, so a lot of people like to give their power away to books or fads or diets or doctors, when in essence, their body is there to be their guide and to be their, um, their friend and determining and helping them in, in choosing what to eat. So I think that was a long, you know, winded way. So hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> 100%. Um, when did you start mixing nut butters and, and kind of get into that? Mm -hmm. So I think I, I'm bad with dates, but it was, I think it was the 2009 um, was kind of the official um, with, with yum butter. Um, but before that I had been doing a lot of sprouting. So soaking the nuts and then drying them and then grinding them and putting different superfoods in them. And that was coming from a lot of the information that I was digesting and um, things that I was working with around how to optimize the bioavailability of food. And then um, when I had met Adrian, who was the, our, our other co-founder of Yum Butter, um, we shared in that for one, the, just the, the passion for food, um, the passion for um, using our business as a vehicle, vehicle for creating positive change, for pushing the envelope with nutrition. Um, so bringing all of those things together was ultimately the the catalyst for what created Yum Butter. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of tell me, walk me through like how you met your co-founder, Adrian, and um, kind of what path you were on at this point. What were you doing for a living before you started uh, Yum Butter? And just kind of take me on the roots of the idea for it. Sure. So to answer your first question, um, I met Adrian through a mutual friend who basically said like, I have, you know, you got to meet this guy. And um, at the time I actually was doing another line of food that didn't really get out too much, but I was doing a line of sprouted uh, vegetable flaxseed crackers, as well as um, a vegetable based and sprouted granola. And so we were talking about, you know, I was kind of doing that and then just met Adrian and it was very much a kindred spirit. Um, I like having partnerships in business and uh, we ended up going to um, my mom's house actually. And I had this rock garden at the time where I would go and stack rocks as like more of a meditative practice and took him out in the rock garden. And we just basically hatched the idea of own boys food movement, which was the name of our overall company. And then Yum Butter was our brand. And um, from there, just pieced it together. And, you know, looking back, we, we, the things that got us to where we were was just a, a tenacity for, for finding out how to do something, because we really didn't know anything about what we were getting into. And um, 
rather rather naive actually but um we had a big passion and a big heart and we were determined to you know save the world through nut butters and um so i think that's really what kept us going and luckily at the time the natural food industry was not where it is today and i say that respectfully because the game has changed significantly over the last 10 years as you know just so many more brands have come into the competition the cost of doing business has gone up it's it's just a much different industry now than it was uh, 10 or 15 years ago so i think if we would have entered this space now with the strategy that we did then i don't think we would have been too successful just because there wasn't um there's not a lot of room for error right now um where before there wasn't as much competition and stuff like that so um we ended up creating some of our first batches um, in Bloom Bake Shop um, in Middleton with Anne-Marie. Um, how, how did that um, opportunity come about? And how did you kind of like say like, hey, we want to mix these nut butters in the back of your bakery? Well, we had, um, we had a connection with Anne-Marie and we knew that we needed a commercial kitchen to produce our stuff. And at that time, we just were doing farmer's markets. And so we just asked her and she said, sure. And we bought a Black & Decker food processor and just found some peanuts that we ordered and just started mixing peanut butter. And um, we knew we had some flavor combinations um, and we called them potions um, that we wanted to create. And that was it. We started just trucking around to the North side farmer's market, to the East side market, to Hilldale um, and uh, in slinging nut butters. Yeah. Uh so just tell me about kind of the original potions that you're working with and the combinations that you're working with and just um, kind of what like differentiates it um, from, you know, any other jar of peanut butter. Yeah. So at the time, there wasn't really anyone doing inclusions, meaning adding things to the nut butter. Um, and so there was one brand that was adding like maple, maple crystals and, and honey crystals. Um, but our, the very first potion was actually, um, called Asian jazz and Asian jazz was actually a mix of spices. So it was uh, cayenne, cumin, turmeric, garlic, and sea salt in the peanut butter. And, um, it was like a savory peanut butter, which people are like, what, you know, would you use this as a spread, as a dip? And then we had, uh, the initial lineup was the Asian jazz. We had, um, cran cranberry and coconut. So that was a really good one. And then on the rocks, which is our version of crunchy, we had a dark chocolate delish. And then we had a straight up, which is a, a smooth uh, nut butter. And so um, that was that, just that concept alone um, was interesting that people were putting things in nut butter. And then from there, we branched out and we started to do like some of the superfoods. So we were putting like chia, hemp, goji, lakuma, and upping the nutrition. And, um, and I think that, you know, it's always tough to stay, but I think Yum Butter was one of the initial catalysts in terms of bringing inclusions to the nut butter space. And now you see, you know, everybody um, doing that. Um, so that was kind of our, our first little run at that. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of throughout this, from the beginning, did you have um, this uh, buy one, feed one model or... or kind of this uh, passion that you wanted to make change while making these nut butters? For sure. Great question. So the answer is absolutely. Um, we started the buy one, feed one, actually working with uh, after school programs in Madison. And we were providing five pound tubs of fresh ground nut butter to them. And shortly after we did that, we, we got some interesting feedback, which the, the kids weren't that interested in the nut butter. And um, we were like, wow, this is crazy. We're, you know, this is delicious. And there wasn't sugar. We didn't put sugar in our nut butters. And so that really was an eye-opening experience for us. And so we, um, one of Adrian's uh, good friends had started a nonprofit down in Guatemala. And we started looking at the different challenges that were being faced there versus here and the impact that we could have and that we desired. So we ended up creating the Buy One, Feed One program down there. And it was a small nonprofit in Shela, Guatemala. Um, and uh, they worked with uh, women primarily and the children holistically, which is a philosophy that we were 
very keen on in terms of how they approached malnutrition and, and getting these folks back to good health. So we supported that clinic, which was a small little, they took an old school and just converted it into a clinic and they did uh, dental work and deworming and um, therapeutic supplementation, which we were a big part of and a lot of education. Uh, so it was called Primeros Pasos. And that's uh, what we then continued to support with, with the buy one, feed one. At, like what kind of, what, what I guess I'm, I'm asking like what, what portion or like what, um, what amount was it was going to the nonprofit? Um, yeah, great question. So basically it was, we got together with them and asked them uh, what it would cost to um, provide a meal or a therapeutic supplementation. Um, and each program was using different things. So sometimes it was actually a prepared meal. The other times it was these sachets of highly dense, it was basically like a nutrition bar that had a bunch of vitamins and minerals and stuff like that. So it was the cost of that and it fluctuated sometimes. Um, so. Yeah. So kind of where did you get like the funding for, for, for Young Butter? I mean, because you were, I mean, contributing a, a portion of your sales to, to charity. How did you think you were going to make a profit off of it? Yeah. So the initial funding came from friends and family. Um, and that's typically when, um, I shouldn't say typically, but you see that a lot in growing businesses where they're, they'll hit up mom, dad, friends, family, people who potentially would like to support you and have some extra money to invest. Um, so that was our, that was our first round for a while. We also did some um, crowdsourcing. So we did a Kickstarter and um, we raised some money on Kickstarter to do some initial runs. Um, and then after that went to larger, larger investments. But, you know, it's, it, it's definitely challenging. Um, the natural food industry is um, not a very high margin uh, industry in terms of the profit margins are, are lower. And especially with the different costs are. So it's, it's um, you know, takes a lot of, it takes scale to, to begin recouping your investments. Um, so it was built into our cost structure. So how are you going to scale it to, to make, to make that profit margin? Well, it's just, it's just numbers. So just more, more volume, more units sold, more units sold, which is then going to bring the cost down. Um, so when any, you know, when the buying power goes up and you can buy nuts in larger quantity and jars in larger quantity and pouches and everything like that, then the cost starts to go down and you can start to really have that, um, you know, recoup those costs. So how did you get it into stores and, and different local retailers and eventually into like target, um, walk me through that. Yeah. So, I mean, some of our initial stores were always just Madison, you know, the co-op, Metcalf's, Whole Foods. Um, and that was just walking in the door and saying, can I talk to the person who makes the decision? Um, and that was the early days, right? Um, and so, again, the game has changed significantly, but that's what we did early on. And we would have our pricing sheet and, and basically just go in there and let them know. And we ended up delivering those things Um you know, wow, for a, for a very long time still directly. And then when we would branch out of the Madison area, um, you could either work with a distributor who um, or a broker who helps you sell into those stores, or we would take a lot of those meetings still ourselves, and I would do that. Um, and uh, so the process is, I don't want to say simple, but it's, you know, connecting each typically um how it works mostly now. And again, it's, it might have changed in the last couple of years, but um, each item of the store typically gets reviewed on a cycle on a calendar. And when that area of the store gets reviewed, you would submit your items for review. And then if you would get a meeting with the buyer, then that would be the next step. And you would get typically like 10 minutes and you talk to the buyer of Target and you would let them know. And then you you know, work through the different structures and the pricing and the marketing and all that. And then from there, they would, they would or would not activate your item. And you would typically work through a distributor to get it, um, you know, delivered. But uh, it's a lot of, a lot of meetings, a lot of pitches, um, a lot of sampling and stuff like that. So when did you 
hire your first employee and and kind of I know that even in that process of hiring starting to scale and get bigger and and hiring employees and a staff you still were committed to the change making in the in the sense that you like gave job opportunities to to disabled people and and I I talk about kind of how like I mean, what that decision was to just continue that as you went along. Perfect question. Um, so it's interesting because Adrian and I, um, again, going back to that whole piece about potentially being a little bit naive in a good way, allowed us to do what we did. Um, and looking back, I would, I wouldn't really change much. Um, there'd be a few things that I would do differently, but at the core of what we were doing was really trying to be an example of a business that um, could hopefully be profitable and sustainable and create an impact. And there was the initial movement of the B Corporation, of which Yum Butter supported and eventually became, I think, we're the third or fourth B Corp in the state of Wisconsin. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with B Corps, it's a, it's in essence, um, either a, a certification or a legal entity that you can become that embeds your social and environmental impact into your into your bylaws, into your operating agreement, and, and um, makes you more um, makes you basically um, responsible to the environment um, and the planet more than just your shareholders, um, or in addition to, I should say. So for Adrian and I, that was the the whole like social mission company again was on the forefront. It wasn't really like, it wasn't a thing yet. Um, and uh, the consumers didn't, they weren't buying um, and kind of voting with their wallet in the way that they are today. So um, we wanted to be, we wanted to be a part of that movement. And we, you know, our, our companies that we really, liked and were um, following were like companies like Patagonia who have been doing really cool stuff for a long time. You're familiar probably with like Tom shoes and, and that whole concept. So we wanted to be able to bring that to the natural food industry. So that was at the core of, of what we were doing. Um, and so it was uh, definitely um, it, it, it provided its challenges, but it made it worth it because at the end of the day, and this is something that we said openly is it's just nut butter. It's not that, I mean, great, cool, awesome, but is it that cool? It's well, by itself, maybe, maybe not. Um, but creating a business that has an impact. Now that's cool. That's the stuff that we were into. Right. So it was, it was like our platform. Um, and we just chose a really unique platform called nut butter to try to create more goodness and in, into the world. Um, and so connecting with the Wisconsin Innovation Kitchen, which you mentioned, right, with the people with disabilities was awesome. Um, we were able to provide jobs and they were instrumental in us being where Young Butter is today um, and uh, are doing amazing things and um, just wonderful opportunity to have, have that experience with them um, and just to like explore and to see what's possible. So um, having the the give back component and the social mission um, was always something that we held close. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I guess, did you, I mean, you had this co-founder, Adrian, this, this time throughout, you know, this journey of, of trying to expand Young Butter and, and putting it into stores and, you know, making it known in Madison and, you know, further and um was there ever any like tension or like um yeah between you I mean was it hard because you're in like this serious situation where you're trying to build you know this this company I mean was it hard did you ever disagree or yeah yeah um so I think any relationship um no matter what type uh has its challenges and we definitely had our ups and downs but the super cool thing, I think, and um, the thing between Adrian and I was that when we first started, we laid out what was really important to us. And the thing that we put at the highest was our, our friendship 
and our relationship. And we said, you know what, this is the thing that is the most important to us. So it's going to get tough. And, um, and when it does, because we didn't, you know, we weren't that naive, but um, when it does, let's remember um, what we're doing this for. And let's remember who we are. And um, we definitely had some, some moments that were tough. um, But we, we went back to that place and we always treated each other with tons of love and tons of respect. And, um, you know, it's, I'm actually very proud of, uh, of how we did things and our relationship today and how we continue to support each other. And, um, yeah, I see, you know, Adrian as one of my best friends and, um, it was a, a very cool journey to be on with him because we, we aligned, um, on, on, you know, some really deep areas of life. So definitely had its challenges and, and good opportunities for growth for the both of us. Um, but I think how we set the relationship up allowed us to be where we are today. Yeah. So, I mean, tell me about Tribe Nine Foods and, and kind of how you decided to merge the brand of Yum Butter with um, RP Pasta and and one other brand. Yeah. So um, it was, I mean, pretty unique story. Um, I think ultimately at that time before, before the, the, the merge happened, um, you know, Young Butter was looking to expand and grow our distribution and, and kind of also potentially bring manufacturing back in-house. At that time, we were doing some outsourcing and um, things just came together and the opportunity presented itself and it seemed like a pretty good idea. And um, so we went down that track and um, ultimately, I think, you know, on, on uh, a lot of areas, it was a very, very good idea. Um, definitely had its challenges for sure. Um, but uh, it's it's allowing Yum Butter to be where it is today. Yeah, I mean, I guess I forgot to ask. Um, was it was it? Did, were you always packaging Yum Butter in pouches? Because that's something that's, I mean, pretty unique about the brand. Um, so no, we started out in glass jars. Um, 16 ounce glass jars. And I would say how many years in, so this was 14. So about four and a half years in, five years in is when we knew that we needed to continue to have a differentiating point. And we thought that, I mean, for Adrian and I, we were breaking glass jars in our backpacks because we were out hiking. And it's like, man, there's got to be a better way to transport this stuff around. And so that's when we started to work and find out and uh, create the pouches. So great question. And the answer is no. So about the first five years and we still, they still, I should say, still um, jars and um, mainly 16 um, ounce jars. Um, and then the, there's the seven um, ounce pouches, the multi-serving, and then there's the single serving pouch. Yeah. What do you think you've, ultimately learned from from young butter and that experience of, of trying of, of bringing up this idea with your co-founder and from mixing it in the black in the back of uh bloom bakery to to you know it being in 1500 targets or however many targets and whole foods and everywhere sure i mean oh gosh the list is endless man um i would say for you know going back to the beginning about when I was talking about school, right. Um, and how that form of learning was tough for me, you know, open up your book and regurgitate this and like, you know, watch this video. Like I never really learned that way. Um, I've always been a doer an experiential person. And, um, I think that business, um, and especially as a leader, someone who you're trying to grow into areas that you don't really know. Um, it's, for me, it was the deepest personal growth experience I could have ever created for myself. Um, it pokes all those aspects of you that are super, super challenging. It forces you to learn and grow mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, it's by far the hardest thing I've ever done to date easily without any questions. Um, and yet it definitely has made me, um, I shouldn't say made me, but it's, it's allowed me to grow into who I am today. And, um, you know, the, the learnings are just when you, when you 
understand all the different aspects of a business, you can apply those to life. I mean, it's all kind of the same at the, at the core, the school, the, the skills and the tool sets are about, you know, you can apply them like communication, um, empathy, um, organization, um, like all of those things you can apply it to a business, you can apply it to school, you can apply it anywhere. Right. So they're very universal. Um, and so, and obviously there's things that are specific to business, but a lot of them are very universal. So I would say by far the, the most challenging thing that I have done, um, we made so many mistakes, man. Um, you know, like more mistakes than I could possibly, possibly, possibly imagine. And, uh, and yet I think the classic saying, like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I, you know, as, as cliche as it might sound, it's true. And, um, you know, you learn and uh, hopefully the next time around, you don't make the same mistakes. And cause then if you do them twice, then the joke's on you, right? The first time it's like, well, you know, you didn't, you didn't know. Um, and so I think that, uh, it's nice to have a few of those big, burly, gnarly, um, ones underneath your belt so that you don't have to go through them again. Yeah, I, I know you worked with Tried Nine for a couple of years. Um but um kind of what was that decision to leave the brand that you built up behind and and was that was that hard? Super hard. Yeah. Um very, 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 very hard and challenging. It was um kind of traumatic. Um but I would say that um ultimately the decision came from me following my heart. Um, I have a thing where if I'm, if I'm not super connected and following my heart and having fun, um, then I can't be a part of something. And, um, so for me, I wanted to, I wanted to pursue my passion for working with people, um, that I, before tribe nine, I was in the, the coaching space and, um, that is something that I knew I wanted to get back to always. And, um, and now having a whole slew of experiences to, to, to bring to my tool belt. So I, you know, the whole kind of the physical side, the mental side, the emotional side, now the business side. And I wanted to be able to bring all of those skills to bear. Um, and the, the food space was turning into something that, um, it just didn't have my attention and, um, it was time for a change. And so we did, we had a really good run at it. I mean, it was 10 plus years. And um, I think that it was tough, you know, handing off our baby um, to somebody else. But at the same time, you know, that's kind of how things are done these days or um, not that that's, you know, and, and the reason, but um, yeah, for me, I think it just came down to, to following my heart. And um, when it wasn't there, I needed to answer and move on. It was really, really, really tough, really challenging. Yeah. I guess I, I want to ask one more Yum Butter question, which is what is kind of the audacity of the the change that you've made, uh, the changes that you've made with Yum Butter and the charity that you've given? Like, do you have a number or something that um, went along with? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so again, this, this, um, probably has changed, right. So I'm a little bit, right. uh, 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 lost touch, but mm-hmm. you know, when we left, it was right around 300,000 feedings. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a big impact, you know? Um, and I would say too, this is, this is something that I don't ever wanted to discredit too, is that, um, we built yum butter to, have a have a specific type of uh, I'll use the term energy where um, people just liked it, you know, and because our goal was to make people's day better, no matter what make every interaction that someone had with young butters, like, have them go away being like, dang, that was awesome. Like, those guys are great, you know, and, and to make people's day and to whatever interaction it was, whether we're talking to our distributors, our suppliers, our brokers, People, when we're demoing at, you know, whatever show that we're at, just to like spread the goodness, spread the love, right? And so I think that the impact for us was, and the intention was to come through every single way we could have a connection with another human. Um, 
the formal way was through the buy one feed one, but um, we tried to uh, create a way of being that really brought happiness and joy to each interaction that we had with somebody. So that, that can't be measured, right? You don't quite know how you leave somebody or just a smile or something or a conversation that you've had. You never really know the impact that you create in the world. Um, but that was our intention. Yeah. Tell me about the work that you're doing now um, with uh, subtle distinctions and, and kind of how that came about. And yeah. I'd love to, man. Thanks for asking. So I um, I'm, I feel like I, I hit the jackpot and I'm, I'm super, super excited. So I actually, this is a fun story. Um, when I was in high school, I went to a, a leadership and economics camp. Sounds kind of dorky, but it was fun. It was actually like the best time ever. And um, it was for a week long. And it was called the Foundation for Teaching Economics. And the afternoon section was a leadership section. And there was a gentleman there who facilitated that whole week, who had a really huge impact in, on my life. And going back to this whole school thing about learning, that was the first time that I connected into material that I was like, oh, yeah, that's what feels good that I want to learn about that. And it was about human performance and leadership and understanding yourself and personal transformation and, and uh, personal growth. And um, so 20 years later, I contacted that person who led that. And that's now my business partner. And so his name is Linwood, and he's been doing um, executive development for 30 plus years. And he's worked with youth and he's done everything from outdoor adventure to corporate retreats to working with, you know, military. And um, so when I knew I wanted to get back into coaching, I connected him with Linwood and it was a very fortuitous timing in both of our lives in a way that he was looking to, in essence, leave a, a legacy of, of what he wanted to create in the world. And I was looking to bring my skill sets and my desires and my way of being to uh, another venture and we got together and we basically spent a while just musing on what we wanted to do and what the business could be and so subtle distinctions was born and um, it's a very cool uh, opportunity for me because I feel like I get to bring all of my skill sets to one place I've I haven't created a platform before that basically says Matt everything that you've learned up until this point in your personal life, and your professional life, you can bring to this moment. And so we've been really grateful and, and we work with individuals, um, business leaders and their teams um, through what we call our integrative um, body-centric approach. So we're looking at the mental, the emotional, the physical, and the spiritual aspects of that person uh, in order for them to and ultimately get to the truth of what's happening for them, what's happening for their team in order for them to make great decisions and, and create the impact that they want to have in the world. And so um, we work with really large companies. We work with startup companies. Um, I think at the core, our desire is to work with companies that are also on a mission to improve people's lives, right? So um, if a company asked us to, to work with them and we didn't necessarily want to see what they were creating in the world more of, then we might pass on that. Um, and um, so we do really intimate work with folks and we get them to tap into themselves and to the group. And um, it's really uh, an honor to be a part of people's processes of change um, and to be able to help facilitate and bring um my love to a space that hopefully is received and that allows me the opportunity to consistently grow too, because I always say that, you know, you can't take people where you haven't been yourself. So I'm very much, um, I'm very adamant about uh, not stepping into a space that I am not, I'm saying an authority in because that's a little bit much, but that I haven't had a deep experience with and that I haven't worked with the material myself. And it forces me to constantly shred my own self in terms of my psyche and my conditioning and my program and build my, my, or my skills in the area of personal growth and professional development. Yeah. I mean, you've assisted people from companies like Matt, you said like massive companies, like 
you know, NBC Universal and like all these massive companies, um, kind of what does that look like when you uh, go in there and, and assist a, per a person or a team or yeah. So I'll give you like a typical scenario. So in, in large part, um, typically there, it comes from a higher level person within the organization. It could be an HR director. It could be the CEO, depending on the size of the company. And there typically is a, a certain need. Um, and that need could be, hey, we're getting ready to expand. We just came off a reorganization. We're having troubles. Um, and we want you to work with the team. Um, we typically like to see people individually first and really get to know them on the team. And then we like to see them in small groups and then big groups. Um, and the manner in which, in the kind of the frequency and the way in which we see them is, is, is rather unique because um, a lot of times the, the grief or the, the um, I would say the, um, what am I trying to say? Um, the counterpoint to why certain people think like coaching doesn't work or consulting is because of like, they're like, yeah, not much happened from it. Right. So that's like the biggest thing that people say. It's like, yeah, I tried that before, but it didn't really work. And a lot of times it's because the, the consistency didn't happen in order for things to change and pe changing people's behaviors is super, super hard. Right. So a lot of times it's pie in the sky to start thinking like, Oh, you meet with somebody once or a team once and all, you know, all of a sudden magically, things are going to be different, right? I mean, just imagine if I said to you, you got to change something about that you do. And you're like, oh man, that's hard. You know, even like your mom might say like, dude, you got to make your bed more, you know? And you're like, oh, okay. Um, so for us, um, it's, it's seeing folks at a, at a sequence from an individual and in a small group and a large group um, really also setting up a, a skillful container um, in order for, information to be shared that it's in a safe way, um, that they trust, um, that's, we call it psychologically safe too, um, that they feel like they can open up. Um, and that's, you know, facilitated, um, in a way that allows other people to participate, um, and keeps it unique and fun and interesting. And so Linwood and I try to just be as real as possible with people in a way that we're not saying we're we're above them or below them, but we're right in them. We're right there with them. Um, right now we're doing everything over zoom just because of, of, of COVID. Um, but typically we're in the room, um, but we have found that we can achieve the same results and even more sometimes because of the, the area that we can cover and that people calling in, we did a project from people in Colombia and Latin America and all over the place. And here we are on a zoom screen, you know, so, um, our reach right now is, um, is international, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, and primarily over zoom, but shortly it looks like we're, we'll be getting back into the room too, which is really exciting with people. Yeah, that that's, that's so awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. That, that about wraps it up. Is there anything else you want to say to the listeners or tell the listeners? Well, I mean, not much, man. I'd love to, I'd love to just to see if you had um, any, what your perspective was on anything, or if there's anything that you took away personally from anything that I shared or just um, takeaways. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I take away things from, I think every interview that I, I've done to date. I mean, because everyone else, everyone has something, you know, unique that they bring forward to me. And, and, you know, I think, I mean, I, I think every interview that I've had, like kind of just adds kind of like another like lens onto my vision of like, you know, how I see my future or how I see, um, the world around me. Um, so I, yeah. What, so how do you see, like, what, what is it, what, um, what are you interested in, you know, in, and what, what do you want to create as you go forward? Yeah. Um, well, I want to create something that, um, I want to create a future for myself, um, that I will love what I'm doing and I want to be able to uh enjoy what I do every day um so I I think I I'm just I'm looking forward to 
exploring with what I want to do and exploring with what, um, what my future will look like and making sure that I'm making change while doing it, helping other people while helping myself grow as a person and as a human being and, um, making sure that, yeah, I, I love what I'm doing every day. Yeah. I think that's awesome. That's a really, really good place to start because, you know, I think if you follow your heart, my dad always said like, do what you love and the money will follow. Right. And, um, I think that's true because sometimes, uh, I've had friends who go for the money first, right. And then they don't build a foundation and, uh, or just people in general, right. They just, they're focused on the money. Um, and then they get it and they don't know who they are or they missed, you know, a lot of life along the way. And there's no, I was, there's, <laughs> there used to be this old, commercial on TV that was like, there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. And I always like my really good dear friend. And I say, there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. So that means there's, you know, you can do life however you want. Um, but uh, I think that, um, you know, connecting in and staying to true to yourself and, and going what you really, really love. I think in the end of the day, um, you know, hopefully will provide the most joy and peace and, and um, happiness in your life. And I think that when you're really, really connected into what you love, you can also serve the world and, and create that change that you want to um, in a way that like doesn't even feel like work, you know? So okay. I'm really grateful for you doing this podcast and, 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 you know, doing your thing here. So thanks so much for having me on and um, for, for doing that. And you had some great questions and yeah, thanks so much. If you would like to find out more about Subtle Distinctions and Yum Butter, you can click the links in the description of this episode. The Madisonian Podcast is a production of Benjamin Brownie in association with We Are Productions. It's hosted by me, Ben Brown, cover art, editing, producing, and booking also by me. If you're a Madisonian and would like to be on our show, please email me at ben at themadisonianpodcast.com to express interest. Please support us by buying our brand new line of merch at teespring.com slash stores slash the Madisonian podcast or click the link in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Keep an eye out for next week's episode.